This is 261 Fearless Voices, proudly presented by Bose, the podcast dedicated to fearless women around the world. Hello and welcome to another 261 Fearless Voices podcast. I am your host, Juliette McGratton, and I'm very excited about this episode as we've got a special guest joining us, Joanne Flaminio. Joanne is the first female, was the first female president in the history of the Boston Athletic Association, and she has recently been named as the first global 261 Fearless advocate. So thank you for joining us, Joanne. It's lovely to speak to you. Uh, it's great to be here with you this morning. I'm so happy that you asked me to participate. Oh, thank you. So, Joanne, we usually ask our guests just to give a little description of how they look so that we can picture you. Uh, how I look. Okay. Uh, so, I am definitely a middle aged woman, maybe past middle aged woman. Um, uh, I have on, uh, uh, I have my hair back in a ponytail. Um, blonde hair, blue eyes, and I'm pretty fair. And I have on a black um, uh, Boston Marathon, Boston Athletic Association pullover. It's one of those lovely Boston jackets. It's uh, very, very nice. Oh, thank you. Um, So Joanne, we've been talking all about, uh, with all our guests, about fearlessness and courage. And I'm just wondering if you can explain what fearlessness and courage means to you. You know, um, a great hero of mine is uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, who, of course, was uh, the wife to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who's so important in American uh, 20th century history. And um, she has some incredible sort of sayings and quotes that I I go back to almost all the time. And um, when it comes to courage, um, I I think of something that she said, just one line, uh, you must do the things you think you cannot do. And uh, whenever I get into a a bind or in some sort of situation that I think, oh, how am I going to make it through this? I I kind of think of her and I think of um, the fact that um, you can do it and you just simply need to keep pushing through. Um, One one thing I think is that um, there's plenty of time for doubt with courage, but I think it's best that you have the doubt at the end of the road. In other words, um, you just got to keep pushing through. And when you finish something, be it the race or the, or, uh, the marathon or an important assignment at the end, you can say, wow, I cannot believe I did that. And, you know, have some sort of uh, realistic, like, uh, uh, amazement at what you've accomplished. But, um, I think it's, uh, best to leave the, a lot of the, a lot of the fear and a lot of the self doubt and a lot of the sort of, uh, you know, wow at towards the end. Once at the beginning, I think you just have to keep, keep muddling through and you simply can't give up. That's what that, I love that. Leave the doubt to the end. When you, Leave when the you doubt look to in the hindsight. End. Yeah. In hindsight, there's plenty of room for the doubt at the mm. end, I think. Because yeah, I think fantastic. all of us do things that are amazing. And then we wonder to ourselves, good Lord, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very true. And, and what makes you a fearless woman? What makes me a fearless woman? You know, I think I've tried um, and everything that I've done to sort of keep pushing. Um, uh, my parents were lovely people, um, but they didn't graduate from high school. And, um, and so they certainly instilled in me a sense that, you you know, you should get your education, you should achieve. And I think I just kept pushing. Uh, I certainly graduated from high school. I graduated from college. I graduated from law school and, and all of those things were sort of like, uh, 
for me, sort of fearless steps because they were things that nobody in my family had accomplished up until now. Um, so, you know, I think I always said yes. I never said no because I thought to myself, this can simply expand the horizon of, of uh, who I am and what I think about. Mm. So was there one point when you realized that you were achieving and that you were being fearless? Was there a, a sort of a moment in time yeah, when it came a- to you? I have a funny story, if that's okay, for right. everybody. So when I uh, and, and uh, connected with the BAA about 20 years ago, I um, we have a sister race with the Boston Marathon in a place called Ome, Japan. And um, every year we send athletes there. I actually went there this year again after a long, long uh, hiatus. But we have a sister race in, in Japan, and um, we share athletes. Um, we share um, officials. Uh, someone goes along with them. And so about 20 years ago, I was going to Japan with um, a, another woman, my mentor on the BAA, and I am in Logan 20 years ago before cell phones and, and texts and everything. And I'm going up the elevator and she's coming down the elevator and she says to me, I forgot my passport. I'll see you tomorrow. So I'm, I said, okay. So I get on the plane. I um, go to knowing nothing. I go to Ome, Japan where um, the language is a complete uh, barrier for me. And I'm whisked away to this ballroom. And in the ballroom was about 250 people. A very, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Very stark, white uh, um, ballroom with um, athletes uh, from Japan and China. Nobody looked like me. And all of the strange food at the tables. And there were course after course after course. And I'm managing. And all of a sudden, I hear someone say, and now, our, or I didn't hear them say, I only caught, the, caught my name, our guest speaker for the evening, me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, you know? So I get up, and I'm looking out at this room, and I'm thinking to myself, this is unbelievable. I've never forgotten the moment. I, made, I gave a lovely speech, and I thought, you know what? If you can do that, uh, <laughs> that is so empowering. You are pretty fearless. I had them clapping and waving and everything else. And, and, uh, happily my, uh, my, uh, the other woman from the BAA, uh, arrived a few days later after, after I had uh, done all of that, but it was a moment that I'll never forget. And I kept thinking to myself, wow, you know, how, how did I get here? How did I get to this mm-hmm. point to, to be on that stage? Uh, it, it was literally complete craziness. Believe me, I give many, many speeches that I'm always prepared for, but but that was one that I've never forgotten. It was like certainly a fearless moment. What a wonderful story. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Has, has, um, has being active um, and running had a part in your journey as well? You know, Catherine had her historic run in mm-hmm. 1967, and, um, in, in my mind, knowing a lot of, and then in 68 with, with the other fearless women who, uh, ran alongside her in 68, but, um, you know, title nine wasn't, wasn't really adopted in the United States until 1972. I think I have that right. And, um, so I was in high school in the, in the, in the, uh, in the seventies and, um, and, and, and played three sports and, you know, I think it was a time where, um, where playing sports for women really wasn't, at least in the high school that I went to, it wasn't something to be proud of. I think now in the United States, it's very, very different, but it certainly wasn't a time when you could be a woman and you could also play sports. And so, um, you know, I remember hiding my uniform 
all the time thinking, you know, this was, this was not something that was going to make me popular with the boys or with my circle or, and, um, and, and, you know, and I, but I, but I plowed through and and I think it really made me think that, uh, you know, anything was possible. I wasn't, I wasn't the greatest athlete, but I played and, um, I did something that was really unconventional at the time and not particularly popular, certainly not popular in my kind of Italian little neighborhood that was uh, very male dominated. Um, so it, it was, um, I, I think it made me courageous and I think it made me always adventurous and always trying to try new things. Um, you know, being, um, you, you know, being president of the BAA, the first woman was, was not an easy thing to do. Um, it was a male dominated organization for many, many years and, um, a hundred and, you know, I think it just celebrated its 130th year of existence. And, and, um, you know, I think I always simply had the idea that you can do this and, um, it's something that I wanted to do. I always made myself, um, as completely prepared as possible as a woman and, and, and somebody who wanted to do a good job to represent, uh, you know, uh, women and women's athleticism, et cetera. And so uh, it was, um, it was just something that I knew that I really, really wanted to do. I wanted to have a small part of history for me. And, um, so I just went ahead and, and tried to do everything that I possibly could like a runner does preparing for a race to, um, get ready. And mm-hmm. so when the moment arrived, I was able to say, you know, me, it's my turn. I'm ready. And, and that there would be no way for people to say, uh, oh, we can't, we're not, we can't choose her. You know, she's not prepared. She's not a woman. I knew that there would be slightly more eyes on me as a, as a woman. And I just wanted to make sure that I was strong and capable and, and, and ready and, and, and willing to go. Yeah, that's great. So that that background through your um, athletics in school stood you in really good stead for when you when right. you were standing up right. to take the role. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. You mentioned there about you, you you didn't want anybody to see you as inferior and that you were ready to take on that on that role in the BAA. Do you think that the media portrayal of women as weak and worthy of male protection is still a big issue that we, that we have today? Um, interesting. I mean, I think we live in very interesting times right now, um, particularly in the United States with the advance of the, of the Me Too movement. Um, I I think things are uh, changing uh, Mm -hmm. dramatically with regard to that. Um, I do think that that probably had some sort of effect in the past, the notion of uh, portraying uh, women as the weaker sex. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, there was an article in the New York Times last week um, about the women and the men in the New York in the Boston Marathon, and it said how um, we had a terrible, terrible conditions. Uh, for this year's marathon and many, many people dropped out and they said that there were more men who dropped out than women who dropped out. So women have always shown themselves to be, uh, terrific, you know, endurance athletes. And so, you know, are they the weaker sex? I'm, I'm not really quite sure. Um, you know, I, I do think, I don't, I don't, I do think that things are changing, um, that women will be given more opportunity through, uh, what's going on in the United States with the Me Too movement. And, um, I, I think it's yet to sort of, um, shaken itself out. In other words, I think, yes, in the past that there were, um, we were perceived perce- uh, perhaps as weaker. In other words, Catherine always tells the story that, 
you know, uh, in the 1960s, they wouldn't allow women to run because they thought, you know, their bladders would fall out or they couldn't run more than a mile and because they just weren't strong enough. So uh, there we go. Oh, God, we're like the weaker sex. We need we need to be protected. Um, and, and and I think now we've gone the other way where where, um, you know, women are really standing up for themselves. I think mm-hmm. that there's, and I think what will ultimately happen is that they'll probably be, um, you know, like when the pendulum swings to one way, I think it gradually settles out somewhere in the middle. So yes, I do think there was that perception, but I think there's a dramatic um, change happening in the United States with regard to women. I mean, we've thrown all the male anchors out on our news stations and they've all been replaced with women. And so we'll have to see, and, and I'm sure that they're all going to, they're all doing a competent and good job. And so when people see that all that women can do, uh, I think those perceptions will change. Mm. Do you think there's anything that, that we can do currently to help to change that stereotype and that prejudice? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, uh, everything that we are doing, I, you know, I think, um, Sometimes we still go in and, and when we think of a physician, we'll think of a male, you know, and then you open the door and the woman is on the other side. You know, I think uh, women continue to dominate professions. I think women need to continue to dominate, um, you know, become the CEO. They need to get into the boardroom. They need to, to, to take charge. Um, you know, a- about half of the people who line up to run the Boston Marathon are women these days. And women are, rec- are in numbers are more, there's more recreational women runners than there are men. And so, you know, I think, um, I think the more you see that, um, the, the more that that perception will indeed change. So we have to keep pushing it keep pushing, keep pushing the envelope for, for more opportunity, more advantages for women. And, um, and, and I think gradually, I think the millennial generation folks younger than me probably see, see your statement in an entirely different light. They're like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Everything that's available to, to my, my male friends or my male boyfriend is also available to me. Yeah. Yeah. So stand up and be visible. Um, can I ask you, Joanne, if you had to give some advice or tips to women who are fearful to help them embrace their fears and become more confident, what would your advice be? Um, you know, I think confidence comes from within and uh, like inside and outside. And, and and what I mean by that, I think you have to, you, you do have to have some sort of faith in yourself that you can get through things. But I also think that, um, you don't, you know, I, I, I would sort of reject the notion that you do everything by yourself, you know, that you're standing there all by yourself. I think women, I think we need each other. Um, you don't, you don't accomplish great things alone. Um, which is why, um, the 261 fearless and the notion of women's empowerment through local clubs and, and the sense of camaraderie that we develop and, and, and sharing stories and getting strength from one another. Why, um, that's so critical, you know, in my own life with regard to why I'm talking to you is, is probably because of my history with the BAA. And I didn't do that alone. I had another woman standing behind me, pushing me saying, you can do this. And I think it's, I think it's important to remember that, um, you need to engage others with you in order to move, move everything forward. So that's one thing I would say. And I would also just, um, you know, I, I don't, it sounds cliche, but it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but to have faith in yourself and your ability to get things through. And, um, you know, in the words of Winston Churchill on your side of the pond, never, never, never give up, you know, mm-hmm. just keep on trying. You know, if you fail, 
then feel better the next time and then feel better the next time after that. And I think eventually you'll, you'll see yourself through to where you want to be. Wonderful. Thank you. You mentioned at the beginning, Eleanor Roosevelt, are there other women that you admire for their courage? I certainly admire Catherine. You know, I really admire Serena Williams. I really admire Hillary Clinton. I, I really admire women who are at the, the the top of their game. Who you can't you can't underestimate the, the 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 toughness and 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 the ability they have to sort of keep weathering through the storm. Um, a lot of those places that they find themselves are not easy to navigate. And so, um, you know, I really adm- admire um, great athletes. I made I admire great women politicians. I've got just one last question for you, and that is, do you have any phobias? Are you afraid of anything? I don't like heights, but I'm not afraid of them. You know, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm really fearful of, you know, um, a line coming at me, I would be fearful of, but I hope I never, I never have that, uh, you know, I'm never in that position. Not too much. I mean, I think one thing is that, uh, you know, I live, uh, I have a comfortable life. And um, I'm in the United States and, and uh, you know, there's, there's not too much to be fearful of in my surroundings. I, it's a it's a pretty, pretty nice place to be. So I, I'm not fearful of uh, of anything in, the, in, in my environment, in the world mm-hmm. around. Me, I don't think mm-hmm. so. That's but, great. Uh, mean people. I don't like mean people. You know, I, I imagine, you know, you, you occasionally get upset with them and or somebody you get a little fearful of a of a bully boss or something. But but again, I don't think I'm fearful of that much. I'm sure you've met people like that in, in your yeah. past and, and, and risen and uh, showed right. your courage. Yeah. Oh, right. that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I could talk to you all afternoon, <laughs> but uh, we better draw things to a close. So thank you very much. And um, yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Thank you so thank much. Thank you Juliet. so much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye now. 261 Fearless Voices has been brought to you by Bose. If you want to learn more about 261 Fearless, the global women's running network, go to www.261fearless.org.